I've listened to If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power by Halsey since the fall of last year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and that is Connor. That is me. Yeah, and and this week we're finally doing a thing that we've talked about since since episode nine. We talked about Halsey first when uh, they were featured on Machine Gun Kelly's song "Forget Me Too," and. Uh, it was like an album highlight. <laughs> oh, it absolutely was. It was the one one I selected for the uh, for the playlist. Yep, just because of the feature. And so this week, finally, after we did another feature a couple weeks back, you'll recall, I went back and forth between this one and Badlands, the, uh, their debut album. I wasn't sure which one I wanted to stick with. And at the end of the day, there was just no contest, I think. Uh, if I can't have love, I want power. It's probably one of the best records released last year, in my opinion. So Halsey's been around music for a little while now. Do you know anything about Halsey? Uh, I know of at least two songs that they've done. Yeah, yep. I figured that was the case. Their name I recognize. Yeah, it's a recognizable name. It's a great stage name, by the way. We'll talk about where the nickname comes from momentarily. And by momentarily, I mean right now. Halsey was born Ashley Frangipani in 1994, and then she took the name Halsey. She uses she-they pronouns, by the way, like interchangeably. Yes. Gotcha. They will be interchanged. <laughs> the name Halsey comes from a street in Brooklyn where one of their exes used to live. And, you know, uh, named Ashley originally, Halsey is an anagram for Ashley. Uh, they said, that's where I first started writing music and where I started to feel like I was a part of something bigger than my town in the middle of nowhere, New Jersey. Halsey is kind of like a manifestation of all the exaggerated parts of me. So it's like an alter ego. And I know someone on this podcast <laughs> in particular <laughs> enjoys a good alter ego. Who would that be? It's me. I like alter egos. It's not you or the mixtaper. I guess the mixtaper, yeah, you know, the mixtaper has a real name and a real identity. Who could he be? We, I, we just don't know. I live, I live with the guy. Never seen him without the outfit. Could be anyone. Could be anyone. Halsey got her musical start very early on, and in a unique way at that. Uh, she learned to play the violin, the viola, and the cello when she was younger and didn't move on to the guitar until the teenage years. Uh, she started writing her own songs when she was 17 years old. And as we'll see on this album, she treated songwriting like a very personal therapeutic exercise, what, what she calls a confessional approach to lyric writing. Like Janis Joplin and a few other artists that we've talked about before this, Halsey kind of got picked on during their school years. Uh, their family moved around a lot, so uh, they were in six different schools. They graduated in 2012, but could not afford to go to design school. So after a few years in community college, their parents kicked them out. And, and then it was really, really difficult financially, to the point where they spent time living in New York's homeless shelters and kind of, like, really going through it. But I think Halsey is a great example of one of the earliest social media success stories. Maybe not earliest, I guess in 2012, 13, 14. Uh, middle. One of the most middle <laughs> social media success stories. She would put her music on YouTube, Kick, and Tumblr under a pseudonym, and in early 2014, the song Ghost, which is a track that eventually made the debut album, it caught the attention of her first record label, Astral Works. Halsey's first EP, Room 93, came out in 2014. It actually cracked the Billboard 200, and then the first LP, Badlands, came out in 2015. Another fantastic album, like I mentioned. It was tough 
to narrow it down between Badlands and this one. <laughs> because Badlands was a huge hit. It debuted at number two, and it sold 115,000 copies in just its first week. Nowadays, by the way, it's double platinum. And, I mean, that was just adding fuel to the fire of a career that was basically skyrocketing. <laughs> Since then, Halsey's worked with an impressive list of popular artists, including as we've already mentioned a couple times, Machine Gun Kelly and 30 Seconds to Mars, but also Justin Bieber, Big Sean. You may have heard the Chainsmokers song Closer. That was Halsey. Uh, as far as other accolades go, they've earned a favorite pop slash rock song, American Music Award, a ton of BMI pop awards. 12, in fact, ranging from song and songwriter of the year to award-winning song. It's funny to award a song an award called award-winning song. Whatever, don't don't look into it. Uh, they're a three-time Grammy nominee and maybe a future winner in 2022. The Grammys are very close, a little over a week away when we're recording this and even shorter than that when the episode comes out. But If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power is currently nominated for the Best Alternative Music Album, so maybe a Grammy winner. They've got lots of iHeartRadio Music Awards and MTV Awards, and they were awarded the Hal David Starlight Award from the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2019, which is presented to young songwriters, quote-unquote, at the apex of their careers and making a significant impact via their original songs, which is cool. I've never heard of that award, but it sounds pretty prestigious. And of course, Halsey's not country, but even has a CMT Music Award, Country Music Television Award, on two different nominations for collaborations with country artist Kelsey Ballerini, which that surprised me. <laughs> I didn't even know that. And of course, you know, other fun trivia tidbits. Before Halsey took off as a solo artist, they were an opener for both Imagine Dragons and The Weeknd in 2015. So, you know, some, some pretty big names associated with Halsey. <laughs> this week, of course, we're focusing on their latest album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. If you haven't listened to it already, I highly recommend it. Connor might. We'll wait and see. Should I go listen to it? Well, you can't. Yeah, you should go listen to it again after this. I hope you've already listened to it once. Don't tell me if you haven't. Hey, hang on, I'll be right back. Uh-oh. All right, I'm back. All right, it's been about 45 minutes. I don't know where Connor just disappeared to, but I guess we're ready to go. So this is Halsey's fourth and most recent album, released in August of 2021. As far as genre goes, it is kind of pop, alt-pop, electro-pop, alternative. Really, Halsey claims to be an alternative artist. Uh, they even call themselves an anti-pop star, specifically. But at the end of the day, they say it doesn't matter what they are classified as as long as their music resonates with people. As far as influences go, if you're looking for references, Halsey grew up listening to artists like Alanis Morissette, The Cure, Nirvana, Tupac, Lady Gaga, Bright Eyes, which, by the way, Connor Oberst potential episode someday. Ooh. Uh, our favorite, Kanye West. And uh, they said Panic at the Disco was a band that changed her effing life. <laughs> So fair enough. So there are some influences. It's it's kind of across the board. Billboard said, and you'll like this. This is a, a quote that you'll like. Billboard said, Halsey's larger than life vision combines the synthy darkness of Lord, the neon pop chutzpah of Miley Cyrus, nice. and the flickering film noir of Lana Del Rey. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that spot on. Having just listened to it moments ago, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I concur. Rolling Stone called If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power the number 18 best album of 2021, while Genius put it at number two. And again, there were a lot of pretty stellar albums that came out last year, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. There was also an hour-long film made to accompany this album, and it features a lot of the music. 
people drew a lot of comparisons to Game of Thrones and other similar aesthetics. It was in theaters for one night only before it went to streaming services in October of 2021. That's uh, that's the rundown on If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power and a little bit of background on Halsey. And uh, now it is time for the long-awaited round of Fact or Spin. Nah. Nah? You just want to ditch the mixtaper this week? The mixtaper has a freaking cult following in the fandom. I can't stitch the mixtaper. You're right. He does. Uh, let's just get him out of here. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Hello. Hello again, and welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Great. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was fun trying to find some facts about Halsey here. Yeah, I believe it. Okay, I wait, Mr. Mixtaper, I have a question for you. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. <clears throat> Two questions, actually. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right. <laughs> the, the first, the first question I want to ask is, can you have love? Uh, the mixtaper has never known love. <laughs> Why'd you just refer to yourself in the third person? Because when I'm talking about my tragic backstory, I go into third person. It's a distance. Yeah, you dissociate a little bit. I I dissociate. I start to develop another personality, if you will. A bit grief. Okay, so so the mixtaper's never known love. Uh, do you want power? My my both my parents wore masks when I was born, so that I wouldn't know who they were. I don't know my real parents' identity. I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. Well, that's a shame, and I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, my my second question is, do you want power if you've never known love? I mean, that's what my whole quest has been for, you know, to eventually own my own Starbucks franchise, the ultimate form of power over, over today's youth. <laughs> today's youth are supremely influenced by the ownership of a franchise Starbucks? Well, you know, ki- kids these days, they can't go more, they can't go a morning with their Starbucks iced coffee or whatever, you know, so owning a Starbucks is pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. If I can't have love, I want to Starbucks iced coffee. If I can't have love, I want a Starbucks franchise. I regret asking both of those questions. My first one for you. One of their hobbies is writing musicals. Writing musicals? Like full-blown musicals? Uh, full-blown enough. How enough is full-blown? Uh, it's a 20-minute musical. Oh, okay, like a short, like a one-act thing. Is it just one? Are there multiple? Uh, well, the one that I'm gonna specifically talk about. Okay. Uh, do go on. What, what's it about? Well, it's about Greek mythology, specifically Persephone and Hades. Oh, very interesting. It's called Pretty Persephone. Okay, well, um, when when did they write it? Uh, a few years ago as part of the 48-hour musical program. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yes, this is where, this is a production done by the Music Theater Company uh, for emerging and established musical theater writers who try to create, uh, create and rehearse a 15 to 20 minute musical in just 48 hours and then the cast performs it interesting so you not only have to like write it and do all the music and all the choreography but also like all the practicing with the cast and everything all in 48 hours and then whatever you got is what you perform yeah it goes from not existing to being performed on stage in two days yep exactly interesting uh what inspired them to take this on uh it's a it's a creative creating things is a passion of Halsey's and so they're constantly trying out different outlets for their artistic creativity you know there's a little bit of reference to Greek mythology on this very album the extension of that I mean this seems to fit in uh conceptually with something they might have done tell me more about the songs what what kind of songs did they write I mean in 20 minutes that's not very much um songwriting time for a musical you know there's typically one to two songs in it and you said this is just the one you're choosing to focus on this pretty Persephone one any word on others? I don't know of any others. Okay, so 
yeah, this is the one you're choosing to focus on because it's the only one you know about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say this is true. True. Going with fact. I think it's pretty evident on this album and just based on their career that Halsey has a flair for the dramatic. I know they can crank out songs pretty quickly, uh, so the 48-hour thing might be a fun challenge. The Greek mythology thing, I know. Uh, you know, outside of the realm of the podcast, I know that you've been playing the game Hades, so that's heavy on your brain. Oh, gotcha. That's making me a little skeptical, but the lighthouse on this album, the song, is all about sirens in Greek mythology. Uh, I think I think it's a fact, though. I think it would not be unreasonable to believe this. Well, while it's not unreasonable, it is false this is a spin no <laughs> but i'll give you a chance to get half credit half credit this is a true fact about an artist we have done on this podcast and if you can guess <laughs> you can get half credit you get one guess we did talk about rascal flats writing writing plays but i'm that's not my guess i think i'm gonna lock in weezer weezer you think someone from weezer or weezer themselves did this yeah rivers cuomo seems also another flair for the dramatic guy weezer does a lot of like themed albums i'm gonna lock that in for half credit unfortunately you get zero credit this was done by smashing pumpkins own billy corgan <sighs> billy corgan was also high on my guest list well there goes my half point I wanted the score to be a ridiculous, like, million and a half to eight or whatever we're at. All right, now, don't don't, infl don't inflate your own ego there with how well you're doing. Sorry, I'm just bitter. I'm just bitter. All right, well, I'm not doing well yet. I missed that first one. Fair enough, but my next one, another supposed hobby of Halsey's, is acting. Okay, that one, again, short film released for this album. A lot of very theatrical promotional material. So much so that they voiced a superhero in an animated movie. Oh, boy, we're getting into it now. A popular superhero, one that I would know by name? Yes. Which animated movie? Teen Titans Go! to the movies okay uh which which of the teen titans wonder woman wonder woman is in teen titans teen titans go to the movies yeah interesting that seems like an out of left field role kinda how'd they land the gig it's a great question for which you don't have an answer uh correct like what's wonder woman's presence in the movie like uh is it a lot of lines is it a significant role or is it just like a cameo that i can answer please do by by all means so basically the plot of the movie so there's a television series right called teens Titan teen titans go yeah it's the reboot of teen titans yes and pretty much what happens is you know all the the teen titans they're trying to become famous enough to get their own movie because you know all the other all the other superheroes you know they're famous and they get they're getting all these famous movies and stuff you know yeah and so they want to have their own movie and so their goal is to get their own movie <laughs> basically <laughs> This is a movie about the Teen Titans trying to make a movie. Specifically, Robin is the one who super wants his own. Yeah, of course. I'm not surprised because that's just the way he is. So yeah, the actual Justice League, you know, Superman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Batman, all of them, they show up at the beginning of the film to clean up the mess of, that the Teen Titans cause, and so Wonder Woman would be there. And then I think they show back up at the end of the film as well. But the majority of the film is about the actual Teen Titans, which are just Robin, Cyborg, and a bunch of others who I couldn't tell you the names of. Interesting. Have they done any other acting that's notable, or is this, like, the only role? <clears throat> so they were also in A Star is Born as themselves. They were in... Sing 2 as one of the voices. I don't know. Uh, Portia Crystal. I don't know who that is. <laughs> the Sing movie franchise just seems like celebrity karaoke. 
Yeah, I'm going to say this is a fact. This is indeed a fact. Ding, 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 ding. Fun fact about the Teen Titans Go movies. Uh, it features the likes of Nicolas Cage as Superman. No way. Wow. It's got Will Arnett in it as Deathstroke. He's pretty popular right now. He's a better Lego Batman. Just saying. It's got Lil... Lil Yachty, Lil Yachty voices Green Lantern. Now you can't use that fact for the Lil Yachty episode. <laughs> Michael Bolton is in it. <laughs> well, we're we're uh, one and one here. We've got a, a tie game going. Let's see where fact three will take us. It's going to take us into another one of Halsey's hobbies, which is chainsaw carving. Oh my gosh. You mentioned last week how much uh, we, I like to ramp up the intensity of the facts as we go. <laughs> the escalation is is really something i really enjoy that like we start with something innocent and then just get get wild with it okay my first question is why do you need a reason to want to do chainsaw carving no i just mean like what got them into it what was the the thing that was like that's cool i want to try it i'm going to take you back to the i'm going to take you back to the halsey quote that was actually part of my spin earlier that they are always are looking for creative outlets okay bold of you to use a quote from a spin yes i believe the creative outlet thing though um how long have they been chainsawing i think i started again a few years ago 2017 ish oh uh wow what all have they carved uh they have a whole website that they put up pictures of the art they've made um there's a i went through it their art gallery there's a lot of bears and sea creatures you know dolphins and turtles and stuff uh they've got some tiki pedestals you know some woodland creatures there was a pig up front and center on the gallery website wild yeah okay so that's a lot you're you're talking about a lot of carving since 2017 how frequently do they carve uh whenever they get the chance i would assume tours over give me that chainsaw They actually used to display some of the art at the Log Cabin Mercantile in Chatsworth, California. This is wild. I have trouble with this one. Halsey seems like a busy person. And to find the time to like master chainsaw carvings, I think the time frame seems a little short. The workload seems a little high. My last bit of information before you lock it lock it in is just that a carving of a sea turtle was accepted by the Malibu Art Expo in, or at Pepperdine University. That's the last thing I got for you. Go ahead, lock it in. Halsey has more statues on display at universities than Kanye. Uh-oh. <laughs> So you're locking in spin? I'm still locking in spin. Yeah, this is iffy for me. This is a spin. Spin it like a blade on a chainsaw. But for an extra half a point. Oh, really? This fact is true about someone we've talked about on this podcast. Fantastic. (laughs) I really went through my trash pile of things that I hadn't got to bring up in previous episodes. This fact was in the trash pile? Yeah. Wow. This is true about someone we've talked about? Someone we've talked about. And every detail I gave you was correct, like about the log cabin and the art expo and the time frame of when they got started. Everything I gave you was true. It just doesn't belong to hold. Wow. Okay, so I was wrong about the time frame being short. Singles episode included? Singles episode included. That makes things a lot harder. I almost want to say... Someone like Good Charlotte. I'm just uh, looking down the rest of our list. You almost want to say that, but are you going to say that? Yes. It's like it's like them, Anthony Green, or someone from the singles episode, I think. You know what? Maybe I'll go with Anthony Green. His album cover was like woodsy. I don't know. And, and he was in The Sound of Animals Fighting, so animals... Maybe our thing that he does, I guess. I, I don't really know. I'm going to unconfidently say Anthony Green. Well, you, I'm pretty confident that you're wrong. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Now, this one was a bit sneaky. 
Because it's someone we talked about on the podcast, but not someone we've done an episode on in the podcast. Oh. But I would have given you credit if you had named the person in wh- whose episode, you know, we mentioned them in. I would have given you credit. Okay. And this belongs to Sherry Curry from The Runaways. <laughs> I didn't give Joan Jett a second thought because yep, she's... Sherry Curry or Sherry Curry, however her name is pronounced from The Runaways. That's wild. There's a link to the website. How is this in your trash pile? <laughs> because it, I found this fact when researching facts for Joan Jett and I went with other things because this wasn't about Joan Jett. Those are actually really, really good carvings. They are really good carvings. <laughs> Especially when they're all like stained and painted properly. I'm impressed. There are a lot of bears, like I said. Very interesting. I really like the dolphins and the whales. Those are very cool. Well, now you know. Now you know. One more for you. I was going to try and think of a fun Joan Jett chainsaw joke, but I didn't have any. I love chainsaw pigs. Um. Anyway, go, go on. My last hobby, supposed hobby that is, is that they like to do upside down painting. Okay, I have a couple of clarifying questions. <laughs> I figured you would. Yes, when painting, they are right side up. Correct, but they are they paint the picture upside down and flip it to reveal what it is. Yes. Are they good at it? I think so. I like the I saw one specific painting. I liked it. Okay. Well, what kind of stuff do they paint upside down? The one that I saw was a self-portrait. That sounds very interesting. Uh-huh. And they did it while singing. Okay. 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 On SNL. I can believe it. I can believe it. Because a lot of the stuff around this album in particular is like themed around artwork you know they did um they did promo footage for this walking around the met looking at art and music videos from this are you know in art museums and so i think that's uh, a logical thing to feature yourself doing as a as a piece like that um they were singing the song east side how many upside down paintings have they done listen remember when i said that they'd only written there's only one musical i knew of yeah there's only one painting i know of as well wonderful I think this sounds believable. I, I think I'm going to lock in facts. So you think and I gave you a uh, spin fact, spin fact? I, I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. In that case, you are correct. Booyah. And there is a link. It's a very interesting Saturday Night Live performance. You know, a lot of people just stand up there and sing and do stuff, but it's cool that they've got something else going on yeah well it's a big canvas on the floor i i thought it would be on on an easel you know that's got to be a tough thing to practice and get down well good at the time with the song that way uh-huh that's a good round of factor spin as far as i'm concerned i was hoping i'd get you a little more than i did well you got me on all the half points i should have I, do i get the half points for getting you uh so that <laughs> I, I get a full so. extra point i don't know how that makes any sense well i mean I think I, I, we've determined that I make the rules, so I'm going to give myself a half point each for getting you on that and give myself a full extra point. <laughs> so you think you went three and two this week despite it being a four-fact episode? That's all kinds of messed up. Three, three, two this week. Yeah, you still came out on top. That's all that matters. Well, the first ever... <laughs> The first ever three and two classic four. Yep, first ever score of a three two on a classic four fact. Great. Always bringing something new and factor spin. Always bringing something, anyway. Well, we'll see you next week uh, on our next exciting installment of everybody's favorite truth and lie game show, Factor Spin. See you next week. Yeah. Now, before we get into the actual music on this album, which I am stoked for, we have to talk about the album cover, as is tradition. Get it? Because the tradition is the first song. I don't get it. Well, I just explained it to you. I can't I can't further elaborate. The album cover is Halsey sitting on a big, I don't know, metal throne of sorts, holding a baby yeah. with a breast exposed, and yeah. there's a curtain. It's very theatrical yeah. and 
dramatic. Everything you said is correct. Everything, yes. Very, very factual. What's your take? Your first first look at the album cover. What'd you, what'd you think? <clears throat> well, this album was released after they found out they were pregnant or whatever, right? Like, that's what this is, a lot of this is about. It's very much a pregnancy album, yes, which we'll get into. That translates into the album art, I think, nicely. It does, yeah. Yes, the cover was inspired by a lot of traditional depictions of Mary, the Madonna, right, the mother of Jesus, and uh, they actually revealed this album cover through a music video. One of the ones, like I mentioned earlier, where Halsey walks around the Met, and it ends with them pulling the cover off this big picture that is this album cover. I like the golden throne. Yeah. Yeah. And like how it's like made out like golden metal ribbons. Like narrow sheets of metal that have been bent. It's very interesting. And yeah, like you mentioned, uh, this album is very much about motherhood and, and being a parent. According to Halsey, they said this album is a concept album about the joys and horrors of pregnancy and childbirth. Uh, they said it was very important to me that the cover art conveyed the sentiment of my journey over the past few months. And that carries over. You know, all those themes that they wanted to be present in the album cover are very much there in the album. Starting with the opening track, The Tradition. Starts off with a lot of minors and slow sliding scale vocals. Oh, look at you go. You got the minor thing correct. <laughs> you knew it. 37 episodes in, and I, I feel like you've learned something. This song debuted at number 20 on the Hot Rock and Alternative Songs chart in September of 2011, which is kind of weird to me. You know, it's, despite being called the tradition, it's not a traditionally popular style of song. Being more slow and subdued like it is, I'm a little surprised that it got so much radio play and so much just popularity and general buzz. But, you know, I think it's a great album opener. It sets the scene really well kind of colors you in for the mood it like builds the whole way from you know the the soft sliding vocals at the beginning and then they uh, they kind of layer the intensity of the song all the way up through the first chorus and then mellow it back out for verse two and build it back up the song is about selling your soul for fame as is quote-unquote tradition right so that's why we start with the loneliest girl in town being bought for pennies and we dress her up in lovely gowns, and she's easy on the eyes, but her soul is black, and the buyer always brings her back because all she does is cry. It's that whole idea of, like, yeah, you're gaining fame and notoriety, but at what cost? And, you know, are, what are you willing to do to get it? Are you willing to take the traditional route of becoming this uh, tragic figure, you know? You mentioned the line, pennies of price, I think. The, uh, one thing that I like to highlight when I see it happen is when an artist takes their lyrics and just slant, changes them slightly, you know, later on in the song to give it a whole new meaning. And they do that on this one with changing pennies a price to plenty of price in verse two. Yeah, bought for cheap and then the value changes. It increases a lot. This chorus really leans heavy into that theme of take what you want, take what you can, ask for forgiveness, not permission. You, you do what you have to do. You scrap and fight to survive, get everything you can get, and that's just the way it is. It's in the blood, which also, I mean, speaking of the cover image of royalty and being, you know, a parent and passing on, the blood is such a charged image in this album. It's a very powerful phrase. Speaking of charged images, another one that really did it for me was Flesh Amnesiac in the Bridge. That's funny you mentioned that. I was just about to say... That's Halsey's favorite line from at least this song and one of their favorites from this album. It's a really good one. Yes. Good song. Liked it a lot. Lived up to the expectations of what I anticipated this album to be. 
Good. I'm glad the the one that opened the curtains at least set the stage in a way that you were expecting. It is a very theatrical album, which is why I was so easily convinced by your theater fact, by your musical writing fact, because the next song is The Bells in Santa Fe. Yes, which I, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, all I'm picturing now is a cross between Bells of Notre Dame and the Santa Fe song from Newsies. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of... I guess the way the title would lead you. The transition from the previous song into this one was about as perfect as it can be. I mean, it transitions seamlessly. Yeah. Was it one of those moments where you suddenly found yourself in the next song and had to look up? Yes, but not because I just like fell asleep mid song or, you know, was lost in a daydream. You know, I was actively listening, taking notes and then like, you know, Spotify, the first song and then Spotify autoplayed the next one. And it was like a, instant it's like it's almost like there was no break it just seamlessly transitioned it was great and like the the the, like chord structure was the same note like everything was the same so it just like bled right into the next song it was awesome yeah it is it's a great transition the first verse starts out it's actually a reference to the movie spirited away what really yeah which i haven't seen oh it's a great movie maybe i should add it to the spin it movie list uh the verse says don't call me by my name all of this is temporary watch as i slip away for your sake All of this is temporary. That line, all of this is temporary, was actually a really prominently featured line on a lot of the album artwork and like auxiliary stuff. On the physical CD, that was what was written in the little CD case where the disc would go. It said all of this is temporary in it, which is a theme that we'll come back to. Don't think that it only exists here. Another uh, thing to point out on this song was that pulsing synth line. In the background, um, it's perfect for building intensity, right? Because it's the same note and it's the same pace, same uh, rhythmic structure, just over and over, right? And so the longer it goes on without any change or relief, the higher that intensity just naturally builds as your like your your brain as it's processing is just is looking for it to change. Like, we're so, like, I guess, used... Like, our brains want that to change and do something, right? Just on instinct. And so the fact that it doesn't, it naturally builds an intensity up that typically you'd have to do using um, volume changes and by adding and layering instrumentals. You could just let that play with nothing else going on. You know, get rid of the rest of the song and your, your heart will start racing faster to match the beat of it and... You'll be sitting there, kind of get on the edge of your seat, just waiting on it to finally pay off. And it doesn't give it to you. It never gives it to you. The entire song, at one point, it stops. I think for the bridge or the second chorus or something, it stops. But then it comes right back in just where it was. It never actually builds to a point of relief. Um, And I think that's on purpose. It is, absolutely. The closest you get to any kind of a change of relief is the melody shifting on the chorus because the verse is very like it descends. Don't call me by my name. It all it all goes down. And then we get to maybe I could hold you in the dark. Like it jumps up more. It's always there. It's just hammering. your. It's needling your brain over and over the entire time. And it's wonderful. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that I mean, that's about all there is to it. All of this is temporary. So don't wait for me. Don't wait for me. It's not a happy ending. I guess let's keep the train rolling. Yeah, uh, this one. Unlike the last one with its smooth transition, abruptly stops midline and kicks you right into easier than lying. Into the little drums, yeah. And I mean, I get that because I think 
the way that you you mentioned it droning on with that one note over and over and over, the abrupt stop jolts you. I think it's pretty well executed. The abrupt stop, mid lyric, and the whole point of the song is right that time is fleeting. You know, it's temporary, right? So the fact that the song just abruptly ends, it kind of hammers that point. puts it's the final nail in the coffin on the argument, right? That you need to just go because it's all temporary. So Easier Than Lying is the next track that we jump right into. Halsey says, When I got back to Easier Than Lying for the first time, I noticed there was this rage. I was talking about two things. One is your parents, and the others were lovers and the people in your life who made you into someone, and then they decided they don't like the person they made you into, as if you had any control over that. So that's the the background for this song. People that come into your life, people that shape you, and then leave you. Just kind of a mess after after they've turned you into something different, right? And that's exactly what the first verse starts in with. I'm only whatever you make me, and you make me a villain. And so she goes on to say, if you're the hater, then hate the creator, because it's in your image that I'm made. You made me like you, and then you hate me. It's deep. Uh, this one gets me with its rhythms. On the, you know, and you make me more and more villain every day, but you don't know you reap you. So the, the vocal rhythm that they use for those lines. It made my ears smile. Oh, another ear smiler. It's a rare day. That and the, I'm going to need your help identifying here. It was either bells or like a xylophone slash marimba thing. I'm not quite sure what. I, it gave me strong marimba vibes, but I'm sure that wasn't it. Um, that was just the closest thing I could think of with my brain. On the, whatever you give to me from yourself, you take. On the like, to me, yourself, you take. There's like some sort of bell that that plucks along with those specific words. It was nice. Yeah, I think it's some kind of bell sound, which is it's cool. Um, it, they they use it there, and they use it on the bridge as well, and I really like it. It's it's a it's it's one of those things that can be easily lost when you're listening to the song, but it really kind of is the the bow on top of the present, you know. The bow on top of the present, not like the cherry on top, like not the icing on the cake, not an established phrase. No, because you don't you don't miss you don't forget about the icing on the cake. It's one of the main features of the cake. The bow is something that's quickly discarded and forgotten about, but it's there and it makes the presentation all the better. Okay, wow. All right, you had a good justification for that one. I, I came prepared to defend my my metaphor this week. <laughs> Fair enough, it worked out. I love this chorus is, is loud. It's kind of that wall of sound, almost shoegazy, smashing pumpkinsy, where it just gets very, uh, like, abrasive. And they say, one I opened and one I closed, because I'll hang myself if you give me rope. What a sentence. What a what a lyric. Also, again, they do that thing. They do the thing. The first part line of the course is, one I opened, one I closed. But then at the halfway point of the course, it becomes, one I broken, one I bruised. Which, again, I, I just, I really appreciate when an artist can take their their lyrics and adapt them for what they're trying to say, rather than just repeat them and hope that the audience gets what they're going for. Yeah, and Halsey does that extensively and i appreciate it no but I, I just like that idea i'll hang myself if you give me rope like you enable me to have the thing that will lead to my downfall like i'll i'll turn this into something self-destructive even if it's meant for some other purpose it just is a lot and then we get to the the song title on the bridge losing you is easier than lying to myself that you love me i mean that's that's a punchy line right there i would rather get rid of you than try and pretend that I have your affection. The chorus of this song is the kind of musical hit that your 
begging for on the previous song. You know, that synth line from the previous song that you're waiting for release on, the chorus smacks you with it on this one. It's nice that they make you wait so long. The next song, I can't believe we're only on track four. It feels like we've already done so much digging. Uh, The next song is Lilith. This was the first song Halsey wrote for the album, and the title and a lot of the themes are presumed to be a reference to an old Judaic myth about a demon in the Garden of Eden who was banished for her disobedience. Yep. Lilith was the first song that I didn't really care for on the album. And I want to know, do you think it's a coincidence that my least favorite song so far is also the one that sounds the most like a hip-hop slash rap song so far? I feel like the first thing to clarify for the audience, if you haven't heard this song, is it doesn't sound very much like a hip-hop song. No, it kind of, it's got that hip hop rap vibe. It's faster, it's faster lyrics with like a with like a more techno-y instrumental groove to it. It's definitely got some hip hop rap vibes compared to the three things that came before it. Well, compared to the three before it, yeah, but I don't know. Just in general, I wouldn't call it super close. Chance the you could have, you could have Chance the rapper sing this song and you would be like oh yeah that's a rap song you know but because it's not a rapper who's doing the song you don't you don't want to call it that but if you had a rapper do it you would have been like oh yeah this is totally a rap song it's dubious it's a dubious claim but I guess I'll allow it for now the verse especially is is closer to that that way because it is faster you're right it is more uh, of like a condensed jab. I'm perfection when it comes to first impressions. Like, it, it, it goes by in chunks like that. And, uh, you know, the verse is okay. I love, you probably are about to say you hated. I love some of those little audio effects they get into on I've Been Corrupted, where it gets all glitchy. I think that's a really neat touch. That one I liked. That one, the, the glitchiness I liked. Color me surprised. Some of the other ones, and maybe they weren't on this song, but maybe it was a different song, but there was a spot where I was just like, all right, enough with this. I love the chorus on this song. This The chorus breaks that rhythmic melody mold, and it switches way more into a, a like a run-driven thing. It's more notes, and uh, it goes, I get too caught up in the moment. I can't call it love if I show it, which is an awesome line. Like, if I'm experiencing this, it can't be love because I don't think I can experience love. That is, that's poignant. I like that a lot. And then they flip it again on the second half of that chorus to I can't fall in love if I show it. Anyway, I like Lilith and uh, I understand why you don't, but I like it. I think it's a, I think it kicks off a very strong middle for this album. But you might think the next track kicks off the strong middle. Track five, Girl is a Gun. Don't tell me what I might think. I am postulating what you might, I'm not telling you what you think. I'm postulating that you may think it. I think this kicks off a really strong middle. Uh, <laughs> wow. How, I, I'm so, um, that's so original of you. I actually don't know if I think that, but I had to say it after you postulated it. Thank you for making me correct. I do like this song, though. <laughs> oh, good. Great. This song specifically, we'll take a song at a time, you know? Yes. This song specifically uh, is another one that shows off their ability to build up a song musically. You know, it starts all very stripped away, just kind of them singing, and... They add layer by layer all the way up to the chorus where it all just kind of comes together and swells into what you want it to be. Yes. Yeah, it starts very small. I feel lighter in the waistline with no hands around me, no spit in my teeth, by the way. What a lyric. However, verse two just doesn't do it for me musically. It doesn't? No. Well, yeah, I was curious what they were going to do with verse two. Mm, The verse two curse. Well, I'm talking about musically. Because verse one, you know, like I said, they layered it all the way up to the chorus. So then I was like, 
you can't really strip it all away and just do the same thing again, you know, coming in the verse two. So I was like, what are they going to do musically? I just didn't care for it. Yeah, I understand that. And I mean, lyrically, it's also not the album's strongest moment. Most of the second verse feels like a lot of easily put together rhymes. That's not all bad because it makes up for it on the chorus. I keep waiting for luck to swallow me up. That's cool. You don't usually think of luck as personified in that way. As something that swallows you. And also, I like the I like this the line that rhymes with that line. The I keep falling in love, but this measuring cup. The measuring cup is an interesting inclusion in a song about a gun. Uh huh. I like that. I think it's one of the more creative metaphors we've had on the podcast. You don't. We haven't had a lot of like, uh, using a measuring cup overflowing. Is a very unique, but like down to earth, like relatable. Sure. Yeah. I often overflow my measuring cup with problems. I like Girl is a Gun. I think it's super sing-alongable musically. I think it's got a good drive to it, and I like it. It's part of that strong middle. That takes us into You Asked for This. I did ask for this. I said, let's do this album, and we did. You Asked for This is one of my favorite songs on this album. Really? I haven't picked a playlist track yet. I'll be honest. I don't know where I'm going to land in the moment on that. But you ask for this as a strong contender. The verse is cool. It starts on a note that's very in a weird spot on the scale. Like, it hooks me right away. Halsey says, you ask for this as a conversation between the me who is becoming a mom saying, grow up, and the part that so desperately wants to remain a child, wondering if we can coexist despite the massive change. So that's where we kind of get into this, this dialogue. It's, you know, mother Halsey and child Halsey going back and forth in this, I don't know what you want from me type dialogue go want to be a big girl it's time for you to grow up this is what you wanted or else everybody's going to drown you out you'll be tossed aside kind of like what we talked about in the tradition right you have to grow up sell your soul for pennies or else you're going to get cast out i can't believe you think this is the best song on the album i didn't say it was the best i just like it it's one of the songs i like the most Oh, I can't believe this is your favorite. This is potentially your favorite one on the album. That means it's a low one for you, doesn't it? I wouldn't say low, but this is definitely one of the songs that had me questioning if it was a, if I agreed with your strong middle statement. Ooh. One, this is the song that has the not really buffoon moment, but just moment I didn't like lyrically. Verse one, you know, I'm still somebody's daughter. C, like putting the word C on the end of it felt cheap. Fair. But that lyric is actually, uh, it's probably a reference to one of Halsey's earlier songs from their first album, Badlands. The song's called New Americana, and the lyric talks about a young James Dean who could never love somebody's daughter. This kind of too-cool-for-school guy who just wants nothing to do with someone like Halsey. So it's a callback lyric in that sense. Does it need the word C on the end for that callback to work? Yes. Why? Well, because I don't want you to be uh, right. Yeah, okay, that's there it is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I just I don't like the word C just tacked on to the end of that. Uh, Halsey has shown they can do better, and so I now expect better. Is, I guess kind of what it is. They're not measuring up, you know? That measuring cup is not overflowing right now. <laughs> the measuring cup has not overflowed. I think what it really gets me about this song, the part where I really buy into it, is on the chorus, the vocal harmonies. The it's another big washed out wall of sound kind of chorus and the way that they produce it just just tickles, you know, tickles the, the right nerve. What I have in my notes about this one is that the most disappointing part of the song is the chorus. 
I like the song. The chorus is where I have problems. What? Yeah. Uh, the first chorus is fine. It fits thematically and it's not too long. But this is like the one example on the album where Halsey just defaults to repeating the same line over and over. Mm, okay. There. We're back to repetitive. Your identity crisis days are over. Yeah, it's over. It goes on forever. You know, it's way too long of them just saying, go on and be a big girl. Like, move on to something new. Fair. I think my least favorite part is is the outro. What? The outro is your least favorite part? That's what I had as my favorite part. It's such a shift in the vibe, and I just, I like the first part so much. The outro feels feels like it sweeps the leg on this song a little bit. Everything it builds to and gets going in the first two-thirds kind of putters out. No. The next song is one I hope we're in agreement on. I suspect we will be. It's it's Darling. Hated it. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Mm. Uh, no, I, so earlier you said, you know, and I quote, Halsey is not a country artist, but boy, could this be a country song? <laughs> uh, like, like Casey Musgraves could take this song as is and perform it. Casey Musgraves is like the intersection between country and pop music anyway. I mean, modern country is the, is as itself is the intersection between normal country and pop. So <laughs> in a lot of ways, I love darling. It's another one of my favorites. It really anchors the middle of the album, being the slower acoustic track smack dab in the middle. I think it's it's like where the spotlight points, you know? I like the strings are a highlight on this one. They're going crazy in the background. I don't know how much you paid attention. They're, they're another one of those bows on top of the present thing where they're easy to miss, but man, are they are they doing it back there? <laughs> okay, that one's funny. That one's funny because you know how you play most stringed orchestral instruments. I, I play with my teeth. <laughs> Okay, Stevie Ray Vaughan, keep your fingernails on. This song actually debuted at number 29. It was pretty popular right out of the gate, and for good reason. The first verse is fine, and the first chorus is great, but it really kicks into high gear on verse 2. Yes. Where all these flowers in the graveyard gave me something to believe in. That that image of hope in the midst of a place that's full of death and sadness. It's like super piercing. And then, and then... We get the beautiful bridge where I, I saw someone commented on some of these lyrics and like mentioned that Halsey doesn't make the promise that everything's going to be okay in the bridge. But what they say is, until it's time to see the light, I'll make my own with you each night. As in, even if things aren't okay, I'm going to make things as good with you as I can make them. Halsey knows how to write a bridge. They're one of those artists that they nail their bridges. Yes. Anyway, I like Darling and it wouldn't surprise me if Darling made our playlist. But before the episode's over, we'll know. The next track, I guess it's meant to be called 1121. Or, you know, I guess you could also refer to it as 1121 or 1121. I believe 1121 is the goal. No, it is. The title of this song is actually a reference to the date Halsey discovered their pregnancy, November 21st, 2020. <clears throat> 1121... Yeah, and so a lot of the things that this song is about, I mean, Halsey's talked in interviews and they said pregnancy for some people is a nightmare. And that's the thing that nobody talks about. It's the pain, the blood, the disease, the fear, the fact that it's arguably the most dangerous condition a human body can experience. And it has been that for millennia that it kills people. And to this day, it still kills people. So this song is kind of a, a big, this song leans into a lot of the emotions Halsey felt around pregnancy and around 
this new experience of starting to be a mother and childbirth. Like, there's a lot that this song tries to tackle, and I think it does it pretty well. Yeah, uh, this is another song that plays with, like, the stereo mix where the synth ping-pongs from left to right in your ears. A lot, yeah. Uh, There's some fun echoing on the words towards the end of the song uh, on the bridge again. They nail the bridge. This song, in terms of the style and the vibe of it, really pulls me back towards something like the Bells of Santa Fe. It feels like we're back into that very cinematic style, the very showmanship. You know, it's a big song theatrically. And I think to get that, we sacrifice some of the pop sensibilities like we've seen on other songs like, I don't know, uh, Girl is a Gun or You Ask for This. We lose a lot of the poppiness of it, but it makes up for that with its, I guess, overall depth, you know? Oh, I just love the chorus where they talk about loving their child, right? I won't die for love, but you could have my heart and I would break it for you. Like, I'm willing to sacrifice every part of me for your benefit. That is so intense and so fitting with this idea of being pregnant and sacrificing your actual body for a child that you know you haven't even met yet on a technical level i think that pretty much covers 1121 it's a it's a song i think that's a lot of the thematic heart of this album this this back and this back to back with darling and 1121 really feels like most of what this album is about the next track is another one i really like we're continuing in the strong middle with Honey. Honey is another good metaphor song. Yes, it is. In Halsey's own words, Honey is a song about, quote unquote, a wild girl. Someone asked them that on Twitter, and that's what they replied. They said, what is Honey a song about? And, and a wild girl is all the reply they got. Fair enough. The instruments are what I ended up focusing on this song. Um, mainly because, to me, this one felt a little cookie-cutter pop song-like compared to the other songs on the album. Uh, it's the closest we get, I think. I, yeah, it was. It was. I was getting, I was getting some cookie cutter vibes out of this one, and, and yeah. So my mind kept gravitating towards the instruments over anything else. That's fair. I think it's meant to do that in a little bit of a way. Uh, to call it cookie cutter, though, I think sells the lyrics way short. Because I mean, the second line of the song is "She crawled inside my wide open mouth." I mean, it's. It's definitely a deviation from the standard pop song lyrically. What's cool is she actually wrote a bulk of the song really quickly just to demonstrate the songwriting process to her brother. But when the producer heard it, the producer said it was so good that it should be experimented with. And they put it on the album. So this was like, it makes sense that it's a poppier song because that's all it was meant to be. It was a quick songwrite. And it ended up being this really catchy really memorable song off of this record one of my favorite lines on the on the whole album one of i have a lot of them so don't think that the list is short but i love the line she was sweet like honey but all i can taste is the blood in my mouth and the bitterness in goodbye oh what a punch because we're looking at this sweet relationship we're looking at this like very impassioned thing from the context of it already being gone and being bloody and being bitter. And you don't get that until at least the pre-chorus, you know, the the leaving and the lingering. And and a lot of the use around honey as an image is like gross, right? It, around it dripping and sliding down the front of my mind. Like honey is so viscous and sticky and just like it gloops, you know? And I feel like that's super interesting to put in the context of a relationship because even though it's over, the traces of it are still there. It's It's gooey you know it doesn't go away mm-hmm. i really like the start of the next song oh the next song on the album is 
whispers. And it starts off with like that soft whisper sound. <laughs> yeah, it's a whispery. Yeah, it's fitting. And then we, I all of a sudden it clicked. I've heard that song. You've heard whispers? I don't know. I don't know where I've heard it. Or at least I've specifically heard verse two. When it got to the, this is the voice in your head that says, and then it whispers, you don't want this. And then, you know, how I know I've heard that. Where, or another song that does that, but I couldn't think of another song that does that. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very specific thing. The rhythms there are really what set it apart. Because we, we deviate from the, the standards, like going along with it, to the, you do not want this. It really triplets its way right into your memory. Uh-huh. It's, it sticks out against, like, a sore thumb against the rest of the rhythms. It's it's a song about how mental health and mental illness can impact relationships. And so that's where we get the context of whispers. It's Halsey, like, whispering to themselves. It's the voice in your head that's just poking you and prodding you away from this thing that you know you care about, this thing that you know you want. It's literally, like the lyrics say, it's a sabotage of the thing you love the most. I can't believe you've heard this one. I don't know how. I don't know where. Could even just be that specific verse. I don't know. Are you hearing whispers? Maybe you hear the whispers. Maybe you've just heard the voice in your head that says you do not want this. Maybe you've never heard the song. I've heard a voice in my head saying, yeah. What could that be? I don't know. (laughs) What do you think of the next song? I am not a woman. I'm a god. I, I like this song. This song was the first single off the album, actually. It debuted at number 65. All the way down here, all right. (laughs) Yeah, the first single was all the way down at track 11. It debuted at number 65 on the Hot 100 chart. So like all genres, this was the number 65 song when it came out. And it's another one that they said wanted to be very cinematic. It also, for that reason, plays a very prominent role in the movie that accompanies the album. I think to that end too, as far as it goes, you know, as a song of cinema, it's kind of anthemic. This is... It feels like the album's most prominent statement song. I would kind of group it in with 1121 and The Tradition and others as songs that, like, stake their claim and really make. Yeah, I just don't think it pulls it off as well as a song like The Tradition. Um, For me, it's the chorus. The chorus doesn't hit the way I want it to. That's a good point. The chorus feels a little, like, uh, feels overpowered by the, like, synth thing they do behind it. The little winning-in-in-in-in. It feels a little strong-armed by that. But... But to that end, lyrically, the chorus is so captivating because it's this series of seemingly backwards comparisons where they say, I'm a god, but I'm a problem. You know, I'm not a martyr. I'm a fraud, not a legend. Despite being, you know, despite achieving this godlike status, I'm also problematic and I'm also lying and I'm also this and that. I just think it's an interesting concept to wrestle with. And that weird unbalance of power and shame really carries on into the first verse where they've got a couple bodies buried in the garden (laughs) where like despite having bodies in the garden which by the way reminds me a lot of the graveyards with the flowers in it from the other song it's a a nice congruent image but then they say maybe i could be a different human in a new place if i just leave all the things that i've buried maybe it'll be a chance to start over so tell me where to go you know that's that's pretty much the idea of it i think you should go to the next song Fine, fine, fair enough. Mainly because I can't wait to talk about it. This is one you really wanted to talk about, huh? I like The Lighthouse a lot. The Lighthouse is the next to last song on the normal version of the album. There's a deluxe edition, but on the normal version, The Lighthouse is track 12 of 13. And in this song, Halsey parallels the mythological siren, like we talked about way back on that Greek mythology fact. The siren, of course, is the creature that lures sailors and their ships 
onto the rocks. To their doom. Yeah, to kill them. With their sweet siren song. Part of it is just the mythological comparisons. I'm a big mythology fan. But technically, I just really like... the. This song does it for me. The abrasive start, liked it. Yeah. The vocal rhythm, love it. The chorus, it's doing it for me. This song is a wrecking ball. It, it sounds like a wrecking ball. It's so heavy-handed when it comes in. And that's the way it needs to be because it, it tells this story from beginning to end where Halsey turns into a siren and then does the siren's job and lures someone to their doom. Because the first part starts out, she personifies rage as the devil in a lake. And he's the one that transforms them into this siren. And and one of the images I like that, again, they, they switch up later on in the song to alter the meaning and make it more powerful, is the devil has venom eyes. And so then... You know, that leaves us with a lot to unpack in the chorus, right? Being turned into a siren by a lake devil. So on the chorus, we have the lighthouse in the middle of the deep where nobody hears the screams, which the scream to me felt like what the siren song is. That's what lures you in. I don't know. It's a lot to unpack. Like I said, it's a lot to unpack. But I love how the siren makes this promise of lovely things if you decide to show up, right? They lure you in with all the lovely things, but then they're make-believe. They're all fake. They they disappear. And so everything you think you're getting when you run to the siren is just not there. And that is super in line with all the other things on this album. The vocal rhythm also just sounds so familiar to me. Like, the style of, like, the cadence of this song. And I don't know what it's reminding me of. I don't know what it reminds me of either, but you're right. And then we, like, close out the song with... I'm glad I met the devil because he showed me I was weak. That's pretty dark and just a wild line. I think the song's just really immersive, which is part of why you like it, I'm sure. And it, it projects this really descriptive and powerful metaphor onto the speaker as a person. Yeah. And the album closes with the last track. I think it's pr- my Arabic is a little rusty. It's probably pronounced uh, Ya Bernie. So the first thing we have to talk about is the title. Like I said, it's in Arabic. And it translates literally to, you bury me. And the sentiment behind that is basically to tell someone, hey, I want to die before you do because I can't bear the thought of life without you. I want to be the first one dead so I don't have to experience that. And on an album that's centered around being about the birth of their child, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like they always say like the worst thing anyone could have to do is bury their own child. Yeah. not It feels like a fitting closer on an album themed around that. Oh, by far. And it's a heavy song, too. It's it's a song that Halsey says it took them the longest to write it. Not literally, because um, they said it didn't take them a long time to write the song in total. But they said they thought about it the most. And they went over it and over it and over it to make sure that it was just right. That, that it captured the sentiment exactly. Which I believe. I mean, it's a short quick song kind of but it packs a big big punch subtly you know it never it never smacks you in the face but it really like makes you ache you know i also really want to point out the lyric what's worse telling you my feelings or to die without revealing that you crawled inside my head remember honey crawling inside the the mouth it's it's another parallel and set a fire there instead i like that line a lot it's just better to express how I feel than to keep it all bottled up for the rest of my life. But anyway, I guess if you're done speaking about this song, we could call it a wrap. Let's spin finally. Spin finally. All right, final spin. Final spin time. 
I guess I should go first, and then you'll do your top threes. We did a, a stretch there where we picked the playlist songs first, and you did your top threes. Yeah, I know you're still not you're still not used to me holding back my top threes. You're still adjusting. It it always bugs me a little bit because I want to know which ones are your top in the middle of the. I want to know as we go, but. I understand why you hold back now. I think we've talked extensively about all these songs and what I think about them. So I'll just, you know, keep it kind of short and sweet. Musically, I think this album makes a lot of really awesome choices. How it kind of lingers right in that liminal space between pop and straight up alternative music, where we get soft little moments like Darling and then big blowout moments like um, like You Ask For This. A lot of these songs are super sing-alongable and the ones that aren't sing-alongable are really cinematic and showy. I like that a lot. I think I'm giving music a 91. Lyrically, we've said a couple times, we hardly have anything bad to say about this album. Aside from a, a little blemish here or there, some of these lyrics are so, so strong. These metaphors are so absolutely vivid and super well thought out. You know, it's almost like your thing with the bow on top of the present. Everything, everything is very well planned and organized. So I'm giving lyrics a 92. As far as instruments and production go there are a few moments where it's a little heavy-handed i mean some of the stuff we, we mentioned like i'm not a woman i'm a god the synth goes a little crazy or sometimes it's just a little bit on the flat side i don't know uh overall though it's still very strong and, and i think instruments of production gets an 87 from me and last but not least the vibe this album is kind of a full arc. You know, it's got a message to present that it's not subtle about, by the way. It kind of lures you in right away with the cover photo, with the very first song, with the tradition. Like, you, you, it's no secret that this album has things to tell you, convicting things in some cases. And other times it's just very, like we mentioned very at the beginning, like Halsey treats songwriting as a therapeutic exercise. And so sometimes maybe it's just to vent or to express that emotion through a creative outlet. Either way, I think everything on this album is consistent sound-wise, stylistically, enough that you can make a small, short film out of it. That's impressive in its own right. I think the vibe is a very strong 94. So, running that through... Through the math department, what's the squirrels got for us? Yeah, so running that through the math department, the squirrels give this... I give this, but the squirrels do the math and tell me... It's a 92.5. That's acceptable. I I agree with that number. It's in the ballpark. It's in the ballpark of what I would have given it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, good. It, that puts it at number 35 overall. 35, top 50. Haven't had a top 50 in a while. You know, the list is rolling and always subject to change, but I really enjoy this album. I think it's, it's really fun to listen to in, in a musical way. And it's really powerful and poignant to listen to in a lyrical way. It kind of checks all the boxes, so that's me. For me, overall, a lot of these songs, I think, never go as big as I want them to. And what I mean by that, I mean that the big hits for each song are typically a little underwhelming for what the instrumentals are building them up to be. I mentioned that a couple times. Um, And so that was something I saw as a theme. I also started to get a little bit of a... like. It's one of those weird things where like most of these songs sound very different from one another right but you can almost start to pick up a pattern for how they're creating these songs um from like a structural like a uh skeleton standpoint which i didn't hate it's just something i noticed uh where this album stood out the most for me was on the lyrics and the instrumentation so lyrically and instrumentally this album just rocks um Halsey knows how to write a song and man can they sing 
Uh, and so with that, my top three in album order. The Tradition, Conorable Mention, going to Bells in Santa Fe. Ooh, two right off the bat. Girl is a gun. Darling. Unsurprised. And oh, and. I'm turning in my ticket of a bonus pick that you gave me several episodes <laughs> ago that you said I could bring up and would annoy the crap out of you. It was the Stevie Wonder episode because you wanted two top threes, one for each di- each side of the LP. And I said, no, this is a worthy album of your bonus top three. Yep. And the bonus top three is going to Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Great. So let me just point out that this is the first album with four top threes and the first album with a score of five on four factor spin questions. (laughs) The squirrels are going to stage a coup with how we're counting things over here on this episode. They're not happy. The math does not add up, but okay. As an overall score, though, for me, uh, this one's going to get eight bowless presents out of ten for me. Well, the whole I thought there were eight bows on top of the presents. Well, there no the whole the whole metaphor right was that it the once you rip the bow off and stop caring. Yeah, exactly. You like ignore the bow because you care you care more about what's inside the present. You don't pay attention to what's making the presentation look good. Like what's bringing the whole thing together. So you're getting rid of all the things that make the presentation look good on your score. So your score is eight poorly presented presents. I'm not. I'm saying I'm. A, I'm. I'm saying that there are eight bowless presents. You know, I'm not necessarily the one that ripped the bows off, but but someone did. Someone did. Add it to the spinning mystery department. Find out who's who the bow ripper is. I'm suspicious of the mixtaper. Yes, and that's a high eight too. It's a high eight. Yeah. Tell me where about on your eights you think it will land. It's it's either the top of the eights or it's right below Randy Travis. I haven't quite decided. I think it's top of the eights, though. Man, imagine comparing this album to Randy Travis. You just blew my mind. <laughs> they, are the, they are the least two alike albums maybe that we've done. Uh, I think it's going top of the eights, though. So I guess on your system, then, eight bowless presents are worth more than eight click clacks. Apparently, but not by much. If you put the bow on those presents, it would really blow Randy away. <laughs> let's, let's, let's see where we are in 3,000 years when we're farming in space. That brings us to the impossible decision of picking two for the playlist. I think for me, even though it's the least representative of the album sonically, I really want to go with Darling because I even said in the moment, it's kind of the song that the spotlight points at on this album. It anchors the whole thing. It's smack dab in the middle. It's the sweetest of love songs and it's lyrically just so strong to find the ball of twine in the stars and sprinkle it in your eyeballs. Uh, said more gracefully than that i i think i'm taking darling so with you picking darling that makes me pick between another song that doesn't sonically represent the album which is lighthouse and the tradition (laughs) i would sacrifice the album's overall sonic consistency for the lyrical strength and storytelling ability of the metaphor in the lighthouse you think the lighthouse darling and lighthouse that's kind of what i was feeling i just i wanted to make sure you didn't hate the idea of us picking the two songs that sound the least like the rest of the album that was the hardest playlist pick we've made which is a testament to this album and every song on it frankly so i guess that wraps up our final spin we did it we finally did a halsey album was it did it okay the big question did it live up to your expectations or maybe not or exceed where where do you fall no it didn't it didn't it exceeded them 
That's why. It didn't just live up to them. It exceeded them. This was a great album. Well, awesome. It could have been a little greater. It didn't quite get a 9 or a 10. No, you're right. You know, I was doing my best to keep my expectations as neutral as possible. I did my best to not let you do that. (laughs) You really did. Uh, And so I tried my best. I went into this being like, if this can just be at least a 7 out of 10, it'll live up. So the fact that it got an 8, it exceeded. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad. I know we've been in a slump for you for the last couple of weeks. We did a little bit of a skid, and I was hoping to bring you out of it. Yep, and I'm excited for next week. So excited that I kind of want to record it right now. But we got to finish this one first. (laughs) Hey, welcome to Spin It. This week we're talking about... No, you're right. That felt wrong. We should save it for after we finish recording this episode. So let's do that right now. Let's wrap this episode up. If you're looking for us outside of this podcast episode, you can find us on the web, on Twitter, at SpinItPod, on Instagram, at SpinItPodOfficial, and on our website, www.SpinItPod.com, and that's where we are. Anyway, uh, until next time, you should have a fantastic week. Keep spinning. That doesn't even even fit this episode, and I know you're going to do it in the next one, too. I did it as one final teaser for next week. Well, yeah, that's how I'm going to start next week.